Welcome to a Capgemini podcast on cybersecurity. I'm your host, Carl Cully, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by cybersecurity expert Gert van der Linden, who will be offering his insights on what's on the horizon for cybersecurity. There are 2 billion websites on the internet. Naturally, with this growth has come fraud, amounting to $2 trillion of losses in 2019. But cybersecurity has also developed into a $120 billion market, expected to grow by nearly $300 billion by 2024. My guest, Gert, will be offering his expert insights on what's ahead for us in cybersecurity. Welcome, Gert. Thank you for uh, having me in this podcast. My name is uh, Geert van der Linden, as you already said. I'm the Executive Vice President Cybersecurity for the Capgemini Group. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast. Perhaps we could talk about the trends of growth and the evolving markets in cybersecurity. Yeah, there are a couple of interesting trends going on in the cybersecurity market. So first of all, uh, the trend that I see is the globalization of cybersecurity services. Where you saw in the past that local specialized firms were taking the lead, clients more and more are now asking for global players to protect themselves. Clients are realizing that the bad guys are not just around the corner. The bad guys are everywhere. They can attack everywhere. And they often are sponsored by states. So they need a global player who can protect a client on a global scale. Also, I see a couple of other trends. There is more focus on security service integration and less on, on, on software. A lot of companies have bought a lot of software in the past, and they are realizing I cannot keep on buying more software. I need to use my money smarter, uh, and I need to make sure that there is a good integration between all those uh, security products. And that's where companies like Gemini play a role. We are a service integrator. We help a client to make the right choices and to make the money the most effective. You mentioned the uh, the customer, and I understand in cybersecurity in recent years, it's become more customer-centric. So what are the uh, particular customer demands that are shaping the, the expectations and the, um, the levels of cybersecurity these days? Yeah, I, I always make a difference between uh, customers and clients. Uh, a customer is someone who buys a product or a service from one of our clients, and the client is the one that is buying the service from Capgemini. If you use that distinction, then customers want flexibility, they want privacy, and they want protection. And flexibility and privacy often uh, gives attention. Customers will give a premium to clients that have taken care of their privacy. One of the research that Capgemini published showed that customers uh, prefer a client or a provider that is open and transparent about their protection and is is taking care of their privacy. And they find that the most important criteria after the availability of the product. What we also saw is that delivers a 5% point uplift in the revenue of clients if they handle cybersecurity in the right way. So clients need the help to balancing their investments so that they deliver on the one hand the the need of the clients and on the other hand control the amount uh, of money spent on cybersecurity. And going cheap 
is never a smart option uh, in, in this area. It's like an insurance. You can go for the lowest cost insurance, but if at uh, end of the day, if your house burns down, you want to, uh, to have an insurance that is covering all the cost and not someone who's saying, yeah, that was not in scope. So clients need to balance the right choices and to balance the, the right approach uh, into the demands that the customers have. Okay, so now that we've um, given a, an overview of the current environment, uh, maybe we could uh, continue by talking about the solutions that will move center stage in the near future. It's indeed an interesting uh, question. It's a topic that takes a lot of my time on uh, figuring out where it is going and what we need. What I see is that there is a shift in the time that we have to respond to breaches and to detect breaches or attacks where a couple of years ago, you had six months to respond. A year ago, 30 minutes to respond. Now we are in a situation where we, we talk about milliseconds. And you can think, for instance, on, on cybersecurity in your car. Uh, we, we have the self-driving car. We have uh, the connected car or a connected plane uh, because all airplanes are connected. If someone is messing around with your car while you're driving 120 kilometers an hour on, on the highway, you don't have a second to respond to an attack. So speed, the focus on speed, both in detection and in remediation is essential. So at the center of the development is automation and artificial intelligence. Automation uh, and artificial intelligence are needed to respond quicker and to find remediation, remediation also quicker. But that's only one side of, of, of the coin. The other side of the coin is the attacks are getting more complex. Complexity means that it takes a lot more time for a human being to understand what attack is going on. Uh, keep in mind that the state sponsored attacks, they have a lot of resources, they have a lot of money, so they can spend a lot of time in figuring out and prepare an attack. While the defender only has a split second to see the attack and to defend against the attack. So, Having artificial intelligence in place to get the right level of speed, to get the right to, to find what's going on, that will be at the center stage of, of the coming years. I see, I see. And, and, and seeing as most of these attacks are state-sponsored, would it be that these, these attacks are also powered by AI or they will be powered by AI in the near future? Yes, absolutely. It's strange to think that the, the bad guys are not using the same tools that we are using. So they also are, uh, are using AI to find a hole in, uh, in our defense. So another new focus that I see in the near future is that we are not only looking at uh, prevention and detection, we also have to look at threat hunting. You can assume that somewhere in time, a company will be breached or a customer will be breached. And the bad guys will sit there and wait for the moment to use the breach that they have. So an extra focus on hunting down the ones that are inside your uh, infrastructure, that are hidden inside your in infrastructure, waiting to, to, to be used, that's the other focus. Yes, AI, the bad guys are using AI. You can counter it, they will breach you. And our goal is to use AI to find them, hunt them down, and kick them out, of course. Yeah, so and all of this done in real time, this finding of the you know, detection of the malware and anomalies, uh, the AI would do this in real time, I suppose. 
Yeah, uh, what what you saw in the past is that the focus on cybersecurity was on the administrative IT systems. Nowadays, there is also a lot of security risks and concerns questions around OT systems and IoT systems. And uh, OT systems, if you are a nuclear power plant, you have a lot of OT systems. What you don't want is someone messing around with the cooling system of your nuclear power plant. So speed is essential and it's real time because once it's overheated, there's not much time to defend yourself. A, a little bit thing that I'd like to add is that we have a huge shortage on uh, labor in, at this moment in, in cybersecurity. Yeah? The unemployment level is zero or close to uh, zero. Artificial intelligence and automation will help us to deliver more service with the same amount of uh, employees. We have no choice. The, the amount of threats is growing. The, uh, the demand is growing while the labor is not there. Uh, and that's on top of the complexity growth uh, that we are seeing. So artificial intelligence will help us to deliver more protection, to deliver more security with the same amount uh, of people. So it's not just uh, replacing people. It's, it's the, the need and the demand to do more with the limited resources that we have. And I suppose it's about protecting the data of people. And, you know, the recent tightening regulations, uh, you know, GDPR and, and, and others, how have these regulations, how are these shaping the, the cybersecurity environment? Yeah, you said uh, it's, uh, it's all about data. Data is one side of the, the story. Uh, what, what you see uh, is uh, that's one of the, the developments that we uh, didn't cover in, in, in the earlier part of this podcast, is that there is a shift from stealing data or stealing money to molest. So doing damage to society is, is a new area where what cybersecurity terrorists are, are using. So it's not just data. Data is very important, but the, the molest part is also a concerning one. Going back to your question on compliance and GDPR, GDPR was the first regulation that uh, came into uh, place and that came into force, as we say that. It has been followed by a lot of other uh, regulations, like the, the, the California Customer Privacy Act, the, the, the Brazilian uh, Privacy Act, but also in China, in, the, in Australia, in, in New York, we have seen lots of regulation coming up. So those regulations sharpen the, uh, the, the cyber demands. And we also see at this moment that the first big penalties are handed out by GDPR. They, they, they took the time, eh? they accepted the grace period where uh, clients and companies got a warning, but the first big penalties have been uh, handed out. And, you know, the European Union, they, they somehow love to give really big penalties. So that is influencing the demands on uh, on cybersecurity. But it's not only, the, that's only, how should I say that? There is a certain tension in, in the demands. Because I actually see a triangle of cyber demands and cyber tensions uh, around this. You have on the one hand, you have the compliance regulation that is, well, sharpening what, what we do. On the other hand, you have the customers who want flexibility, want freedom, uh, who are sometimes ignorant of what they do. And on the third side are the same governments that have launched GDPR or, uh, or, or one of the other acts are saying, but I want to know exactly what everybody is doing. They are breaching their own promises and trying to get control of data, trying to get control on terrorists, etc. So there is a real tension in cybersecurity between those three angles, eh? the, the protection from a privacy point of view, the flexibility that a customer wants, 
and the need from governments to know whatever you're doing. Eh? Look, look at the whole debate around the WhatsApp encryption. So the, the, the cyber demands, the, the role that Capgemini has to play, the role that service integrators have to play, is to balance between those three needs. But if you close your services completely, you are compliant with GDPR. But at the same time, you will lose the customers that are not happy with the inflexibility that you're delivering. The, the cyber demands are on those three angles, and it's the job of Capgemini to help clients to, to find the right solution for this. Absolutely. And it seems that this idea of tension is present in, in uh, IT in, in general, isn't it? You know, um, one example is the tension between privacy and, and convenience, you know, for, for people, which is, of course, at the, the forefront of, of people's awareness, you know. So um, we've, we've touched upon it earlier in the podcast. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the nature of the threats faced? It seems to me, uh, you know, it's, it's not often clear, you know, who are attacking, um, you know, if it's state-sponsored attacks or, or organized crime. What are you seeing and what do you, um, what do you think the future will be? You know, what will be the nature of the threats faced? There is a real shift, and I already elaborated a little bit on it, a, a, a shift in, 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 in threats. In a nutshell, I can say that the, 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 the shift is mainly around from hit and run towards patients. What I mean with that, in the past, hackers were small criminals trying to get in and steal your credit card, stealing money, etc. So it was getting in or do identity theft, get the money and run away. That has shifted. It's more, it has become more indirect. Indirect in the fact that it's easier for a state-sponsored attacker to get breach a service integrator because a service integrator it opens the door to a lot of clients, so it's easier to go in an indirect way. It's also what they do is they look at potential clients, look at uh, companies, they want to find a backdoor, they place a backdoor, and they wait because having the backdoor has a lot of value. You can sell it to someone that needs it at that moment, or you can use it when the company is doing something you don't like. They get in, find the backdoor, and wait until the right moment it's, uh, to use it. Another shift is moving from the money theft to stealing information. Why steal the money once while the information that you can steal time and time again has a lot more value? And you can sell it each time. So it's better to get in, to keep on stealing the information, hide yourself, and sell the information on the dark web. The last, and that's the most concerning one, there is a clear shift in focus on, on, on doing molest. If you can damage the utilities of a, comp- uh, a country, like the, uh, in the Ukraine, you can do a lot more damage than before. If you can damage the production of a, a brewery company, you get the benefits for, for the competitor. So doing damage to a company, doing damage to a country, that's another uh, shift, and that's growing very fast. And of course, that's where the concerning uh, part is, because that means putting lives in danger. Stealing, stealing 100 euros, it hurts, but nobody dies. Blowing up a nuclear power plant, people die. 
well, it's been happening in recent years. Uh, certain you know states have been using breaches for geopolitical ad- advantage. You know, we've I don't want to <laughs> get into it so much with specific countries, but uh, you know we've seen that uh, states being able to influence you know other countries' political landscapes. This is also yeah. A, yeah. We yeah. see it in uh, we we have seen it with the elections. Uh, uh, we we have seen that other countries have tried to intervene and uh, they did that successfully. Yes, and all, all through leveraging data and, and patterns. And I suppose that, you know uh, all companies hold hold data on, on clients and uh, need to protect need to protect that data. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so um, more and more of these days, you know, the the role of the the CISO uh, as a key decision making, you know, there's an incredibly high turnover in this role uh, these days. Yeah. So, so how can service companies help CISOs to to achieve their goals and and well stay in the job? Uh, always an interesting question. And you're right, eh? there's a high turnover of CISOs at the moment, but you also see that the role of the CISO has changed and is changing fast. And maybe that's also causing the high turnover of CISOs. And Capgemini has done a research on that. What's the, the changing role of the CISO? What you saw in the past is that the CISO was uh, mainly someone saying, no, you can't. To nowadays, that's someone that's close to the board and is partly responsible for shaping the business of a client. As I said earlier on this podcast, so the service that we can deliver to these CISOs is helping them to connect cybersecurity with the business. That's one of the things Capgemini tries to differentiate themselves. We need to connect the business of the client, the risks connected to the, those uh, businesses with the, the choices the CISO has to make, both in, in his security governance, in his protection of security, but also in, in the run of security. Let me give you an example of uh, as a very simple example where that, that illustrates it a little bit. If you're a retailer and there is an attack on uh, on your shops uh, or your web shop in the week for Christmas, it's a disaster. You really need to respond immediately because most money is made for the retailers between November and uh, December uh, Christmas. So connecting the business, understanding the business, with, uh, with, with the cybersecurity risks, both from uh, a design and from a run perspective, is, is important. That's where Capgemini can help the CISO. Second one where Capgemini can help the CISO is to deliver an end-to-end solution. If you look to cybersecurity at the moment, uh, they all, all clients need an end-to-end solution. But that also means that they have to make choices where to invest and what to do and what not to do. Because there's no unlimited amount of money available. And if you want to do everything you need to, for cybersecurity, you need an unlimited amount of money. So that's not the case. So Capgemini helps the CISO to make the right choices and to solve the complexity that he has in his organization and in his infrastructure. Over the past years, a lot of CISOs have bought a lot of tools. Those tools are not working together or are overlapping and leaving gaps behind on other places. So the role of the service integrator, the role of Capgemini is to solve that complexity and to help the CISO to make the choices to get to the best possible security for the client. 
Let's uh, move on by talking about who you see as the main players, uh, you know, in the coming uh, years in, in cybersecurity. You know, the the main organisations that will be, sh- you know, shaping the solutions that we uh, will become commonplace. Yeah, well, if you look to uh, the main players, I see two kind of players. The one are the, the software providers, and the other ones are the service integrators. I don't think that. Uh, There's a market for companies that combine both. It's simply a different game, a different market, different risk, different way of selling. So I don't see a future for software providers that think they can sell uh, also services. If I look to the service companies, of course, uh, I believe that Capgemini will be a main player in this, and Capgemini wants to be a leader in the the security service uh, integration uh, part. If I look to the software side, well, I see the existing strong players like uh, Microfocus, like IBM, uh, like SailPoint, like Ping. Uh, they, they are uh, very active and they will keep on delivering services. But I also see a couple of new players uh, stepping into this market. Uh, so I'm very interested to see the development that uh, Microsoft is doing and that Google is doing. And they see that this is in a very profitable market. They're stepping in. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of power. So I expect some innovative changes coming from that corner. And last but not least, I also think that we should not we should not forget about Cisco. They are also a strong player from the past, and they are also looking at cybersecurity. And yeah, and we've also touched upon on on Capgemini's approach and and its partners to um to its service offerings. Well, Capgemini's approach is uh, we deliver an end-to-end uh, security service. So we always say we are vendor agnostic, uh, but we do have an opinion. If a client is saying, uh, I have already a contract with this of this software vendor, we can work with it. But if the client starts with saying, hey, what is for me the best solution in my situation? We look at them and we give an honest uh, opinion. So that, that's how we look at, uh, at partners. And we, mon- we keep on monitoring the development of those partners because the partners from three years ago are not the key players at this moment anymore. And maybe they won't be the, the key players in three years from now, the ones that are strong now. Having said that we deliver an end-to-end service, we, we, we have split the end-to-end service into a life cycle. So we we've start with uh, what we call the define phase, that's doing the assessment of what the situation is. Then we give the advice on how the, the security should implement it. After that, if agreed with the client, we can do the implementation, the protect. We start doing identity and access management, or we do the endpoint security implementation. Uh, we also uh, do the application security testing, etc. And at the end, we do the monitoring. So the monitoring uh, is, uh, is the final part that we do, where we have a global network of SOCs across the world. At this moment, we have 14 SOCs, and uh, I expect next year that we will be at 16 SOCs, because we believe that... Grabbing that small momentum uh, of seeing things happening a little bit earlier helps to protect our clients. If you see an attack emerging from the US or a malware wave, uh, it helps you to protect the clients in Australia that will be hit by that same malware uh, an hour later. So that's why we have the define, protect, and monitor. But that's one view. The other view is that we look at cybersecurity uh, in the whole IT stack. So we did, we look at the security 
around networks. We look at the security in the infrastructure. We look at the security in the application uh, and we look at the security in the data layer. And on top of that, we have the security governance. So it's the life cycle and it's the full stack. And the final part, so that's the third view, we look at the whole landscape. So we have security for IT systems, we have security for cloud, we have security for OT, and we have security for IoT. So with those three views, we can cover the end-to-end security of our clients and we develop our service offerings based on that. Well, we're coming to the end of our, our podcast here and our, our time uh, talking about uh, what's next for cybersecurity. But I, I thought we could finish on a personal note. So I wonder if uh, you could tell us about what's the most interesting aspect of your, your role. Well, there are several things that are very interesting of my role. First of all, uh, I love to be a, in an innovative part where the developments are going fast and where I can make a difference. So being in cybersecurity helps uh, to, to shape the future of uh, Capgemini. That's one side. But the other side is a little bit uh, different. If I look at cybersecurity, and that's also the way the, the, the subculture that we want in Capgemini for our cybersecurity people, and that's the way I want our people to behave when they are at the client, we do the extra mile. And I like to do the extra mile because if I and if Capgemini does the job good, we make a little bit of difference in protecting our world, in our values, uh, in our and our society. Because nowadays there are a lot of threats towards our way of living. Uh, there are a lot of companies, there are a lot of uh, states that are trying to hurt us and take away our way of living. And I believe, truly believe, that if we deliver a good job, if we do the extra mile, if we have the right commitment we can make a difference, a little bit of difference. And that's what I love the most about my work, helping to protect my and my son's future. Because when I look at my son, he needs to be able to live the way I do. Uh, I live, and I want to make that happen for him. That's great, and what a, what a great place to, to finish, I think. So I've enjoyed uh, this, this discussion very much. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Gerd. Thank you. And um, I hope our, our listeners have enjoyed it too. So, so and, until next time, uh, goodbye. <laughs>